Today's episode is brought to you by our amazing friends at Pygmonic. On their behalf, I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to the Medspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nav, and this is episode number nine with Tim Grover. Tim Grover, company's name is Attack Athletics. I've lost about 30 pounds. My trainer's, uh, I, I think he's the best in the world. Yeah? His name is Tim Grover. His name is Tim Grover. Tim Grover. The CEO and president. Kobe, I know you've been working with the uh, trainer with Tim Grover, and are you physically feeling some uh, benefits from that? Yeah, I feel great. This is the best I've felt this late in the season my whole career. So I feel, I feel outstanding. For a lot of guys, you know, that's come down here to Chicago, they understand that Tim can help take them um, to the next level. And um, Tap Athletics is a great place to be. Taking athletes and making them unstoppable. Well, we've been fortunate to work with some of the greatest athletes out there. I mean, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon, Scottie Pippen, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of others. How do you make your muscles grow? Through resistance, right? Sure. You lift weights, you want them to grow bigger, you add more resistance, all right? It's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in life. It's the same thing from a mental standpoint. You have to add resistance. Everybody wants to jump to leadership. You think I just started with Michael Jordan? I worked at a health club making $3.25 an hour. That's what the minimum wage was when I started. And that was with a master's degree. If you didn't have a master's degree, the pay was two seventy-five. dollars So for an extra year and a half of college, I got $0.75. Cents. That's how you learn to become a leader. You learn everything that's possible so nothing is too good for you to do. People get this thing of entitlement. No job is below you. No job is beneath you. No job is on top of you. You got to be obsessed with getting better every single day day. I never feared about my skills, you know, because I put in the work. <laughs> work ethic eliminates fear. Yes. You know, so if you put forth the, the work, then what are you fearing? You know you, what you're capable of doing, what you're not. We've all failed at things. I'm going to continue to fail at stuff, right? It's the most powerful tool you can use, but it all depends on how you use it. A scalpel in the hands of an individual, it can do unbelievable damage. In the hands of a professional, of a doctor, it saves lives. So it's the same thing with failure. It's how you use it. It's that drive inside of you. The dark side is filled with failure, but it's the fuel that burns you like something that's never burned inside you before. Well, there was a small article in the newspaper saying how Michael was tired of taking a physical abuse from the Detroit Pistons and wanted to start a strength and conditioning program. I was beat down because of the physicality of what was happening within the game, you know, and I didn't have it to compete with them. Michael Jordan went down and he is grimacing in pain. He was afraid to lift any weights because he didn't know what the effects were going to be on this game. And I actually contacted the team physician and the athletic trainer at that time. That were both of them to explain my philosophies and uh, they introduced me to Michael. And Michael said, you know, we'll try it out for 30 days and 30 days turned into 15 years. He had a big thing where he used to say, hey, listen, I'm going to turn my weaknesses into strengths. 
and he did. And what you notice is every year there was uh, evolution in his game. There was something that he added, whether it was a new shot, a new move. He was never satisfied, uh, no matter how many championships, how many titles, what people said, how many accolades he got, he always wanted to get better. I'm gonna show you how great I am. According to the National Library of Medicine, it is now scientifically proven that exercising a growth mindset can build brain power for health, improve our ability to learn new tasks, and open the door for higher achievement. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while now, you know that I love harping on the science of neuroplasticity and how it has been shown time and time again that when we choose to believe that our basic abilities can be developed and improved upon through dedication and hard work, the brain physically changes in a way that allows us to strengthen the mind-body potential. This holds true for everyone out there. Whether you're trying to get better at studying, improve as an entrepreneur, become a great leader, or simply just trying to be great at whatever you do. It even turns out that many of the world's greatest athletes are leveraging the growth mindset to reach the top of their sport. That's why in today's episode, we're bringing you the man that teaches the world's greatest athletes how to fuel their minds in a way that allows them to dominate the game that they play. Tim Grover is widely recognized as an authority on the science and art of achieving physical and mental domination. And in this episode, he offers psychological insights into the nature of elite performance that will leave you more med-spired than ever before. Tim has authored multiple books, including my personal favorite, Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable, a book that I've read more than three times now. When asked about this book, Kobe Bryant himself said that Tim Grover knows more than anyone about the mental side of sports. His book is the blueprint for discovering what you're capable of achieving, getting the results that you never imagined, reaching the highest levels of success, and then going even higher. In this episode, Tim and I discuss the relentless system in detail and combine the world of sports and mental health in a way that's never been done before. We touch on the topics of how Tim trains his athletes to deal with adversity and failure, overcoming anxiety, how to use anger as a tool to excel, and how every single one of our listeners out there can use Tim's techniques to take their life to the next level regardless of your background. Guys, I can't even lie. What we've been accomplishing through this podcast has been revolutionary. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all the incredible messages we've been receiving. And I truly can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. If you guys have been enjoying this content, please rate it five stars on iTunes. It would mean the world to us. Remember that you can send us a message on Instagram or tag Medspiration in your stories. If you take a screenshot of this podcast and upload it into your stories, we'll share your story and start a conversation with you. So definitely feel free to reach out, guys. Let us know that you're out there and that you're listening. And a special thank you to our sponsor today, Pigmonic. I personally use Pigmonic in my studies for step one directly off of my iPhone. Their learning system powers thousands of mnemonic videos and quizzes that have been scientifically proven to increase long-term memory retention by up to 331%. And trust me, they're not lying. There was things on the USMLEs that I would have never remembered if I didn't remember the Pigmonic. It sounds crazy, but it's kind of like 
Cliff Notes meets Saturday morning cartoons for higher education. They help med students, NPs, PAs, PharmDs, RNs, LPNs, paramedics, and pre-med students rock their course exams, boards, and become more competent healthcare providers. Pygmonic has partnered with Medspiration to help make learning and memorizing easier than ever. So I know the CEO personally and we got you a pretty sweet deal here. You could check them out for free. If you sign up, you'll get instant access to a free video and quiz every day, no credit card required. You can use the promo code MEDSPIRATION for 20% off any premium subscription. Again guys, I would really recommend checking them out and trying out their resources. I promise you won't be disappointed. We'll have a link provided to you in the description below. And without further ado, let the Medspiration begin. Timpreet Singh Grover, welcome to the Medspiration podcast. I'm your host today, Dr. Navpreet Singh Badesha, and today we're going to be doing something that's never ever been done before. We're going to be connecting the relentless system to mental health. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor and privilege to announce that we have the world's greatest mind-body coach on our podcast today. Tim, without further ado, please introduce yourself to everyone out there. And if you don't mind sharing, could you name some of the different athletes that you've had the honor of training and being around just so everyone out there knows why I call you the GOAT? <laughs> Thanks, Nav. Um, first of all, you know, for everybody out there that's listening, you know, I know you've had uh, a very humbling experience and unique you got married i'm very proud of you um, you know it's it, it's a special time man it's a special time i know you got a lot going on and to be able to take that step and find that uh, wonderful special person in your life congratulations to the both of you thank you thank you so much oh well my name is tim grover i'm the ceo of attack athletics and uh, the founder of The Relentless System and the author of Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. Some of my clients were Michael Jordan was my uh, first professional client and I worked with him for over 15 years. I've been blessed enough to train uh, other Hall of Famers like Akeem Olajuwon, Scottie Pippen, soon to be Hall of Famers, Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and many others in different sports. Uh, consult to a lot of uh, NBA teams, NFL teams, uh, Major League Baseball. So I'm uh, pretty heavily tied into the sports industry, not only from a physical standpoint, but also from the mental side of keeping these athletes sharp, keeping them focused, keep them clear, and so they can perform at the highest level. Because unlike actors and actresses, there are no do-overs for athletes. They have to perform in front of everybody. There's very few chances do you get to a rerun or to edit and cut. It's you get what you see. Amen to that. Well, that's incredible. You know, Tim, it being 2019 now, uh, we last spoke in October in 2018. So it's been that long. Yeah. Yeah. It took me eight (laughs) months to get you on this podcast, man. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy. (laughs) We know that mental health has been getting a much needed spotlight and my goal from our conversation today is to discuss how the relentless system teaches mental resiliency in a way that can benefit everyone out there. A lot of this has to do with adversity and personal challenges we face and our approach to them. That's why my first question to you actually has to do with learning to deal with adversity and failure. I've heard you say multiple times and the relentless system says, before the skill set, it's a mindset. The stronger your mindset is, the stronger your skill set will be. What does that mean? Well, if you think about it, 
if you've ever, everybody's quit at something. And at some point, and if anybody ever tells you, I've never quit at anything in my life, you know they're lying, they're lying to you, all right? But just think about it. You know, what did you, were you physically exhausted? Is that why you quit? Or was it, do you were more mentally fatigued? That's why you gave up. You know, when you were going, last time we would talk, you know, you, you were going through your tests and, you know, your, I think your residency and so forth. You know, when it's, they don't want to hear, when you just get tired, you're just like, I physically can't go anymore. What pushes you through that? You know, the, it's the mental edge. It's being able to, you know what? Yes, I can. I have to do this. I got to push my, I got to push myself through this. If you're working out in the gym, you know, and you say, man, I don't feel like being in here. Is that you're physically tired or are you mentally telling yourself I'm drained, I'm fatigued? And think about it. You've had some, you know, people always talk about in school, we got to cram for this exam. Yeah. All right. And everybody's crammed for the exam. So what, when you cram for that exam, what are you, is you're not physically running a marathon during that time. Your mind is running at a pace that you can run at almost any time you want to, but you choose not to. True. You choose not to do it. So that's what that's what I said. So when you when you decide on something, if you're going to fail because you gave up mentally, not because you were just fit, you were just physically exhausted. There are certain times where you are just physically exhausted, but majority of the time, it's that mental, it's that mindset that if that's sharp, it allows you to push yourself through different things that you're going to see on a daily basis. You got to have that tangible push. Even going through medical school, you know, there's so many times where Again, it wasn't physically exhausting. It was more mentally exhausting. And I always had to find it in myself to to push that button and to keep going. You know, and I'm sure you have your athletes. They get mentally and physically worn out, right? So when, when they do get to that point, how do you find it in them and how do you motivate them to keep going? Well, you know what? You just made an interesting point. And I take, I take a lot of what other people say and they sometimes don't even realize what they said. You said it yourself that, I have to, you had to push your own button. Oh yeah. And then you had, you know, you had to find it. So you took onus, you took onus of that. And that's what a lot of people don't do these days. They want somebody else to take the responsibility. They want somebody to take the onus. They want so, they want someone else to show them the, e the easier way or the quick way out because this is an era of, you know, gratification now. Everything is instant. It happens now. So when things don't happen now, they don't know how to deal with that that adversity. So when I'm dealing with my with my athletes, I'm like, okay, listen, it's not about just one successful season. It's not about one championship. It's about multiple successful seasons. It's about multiple championships and keeping that clarity and focus. We all have distractions that come in. Uh, think of your head, and you you know you'll know more about this than I, I will from an uh, from an anatomy standpoint. All right, you have the space in your brain. It's your brain, all right? When it becomes unclear, what happens? Somebody else takes a piece of that real estate up there and you become less focused. Somebody else takes another piece of real estate up there. You, you know, you don't have that same drive anymore. Somebody else takes another. So this is a very expensive piece of real estate. It's the most expensive piece of real estate you own. Amen. All right. So you just can't let other people set shop up in there. You just can't let them take that space in there because when they take that space from it, it's less space for you to operate. And majority of the time, the people that the people or the things that are taking space up in here 
they're draining you. They're taking away, you know, your superpower. And this, your brain is your superpower. It's limitless. It has limitless capabilities. You know, you see individuals all the time that are sometimes, you know, not physically gifted or physically disabled and they have, but what it allows them to do, it allows them to do extraordinary things with their mind. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. So why are you giving that space in there to anybody else? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. And that's what my, that's what I try to teach my athletes. And I try to pass on to other individuals is you own this space up. You own this space up in there. You control what goes on. You control your emotions. You have to learn to push your own buttons. You can't let other people push your buttons. Hell yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, you you said something, the superhero thing. I actually I have an alter ego. Um, and yes, the real me is the alter ego. Um, because I've I've heard you say that. It's it's medspiration, you know. So whenever I think that, you know, Nov is exhausted, Nov can't keep going, my button to press is, you know, this looks like a job for medspiration. Let's turn it on and let's keep going, you know. And that's tangibly me knowing that I have that superpower in me, it literally creates that real estate for me to just keep going. You know, and Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba. Yes. You know, the Mamba mentality. So every superhero, they're basically the best version of themselves, right? So for him, he was like, okay, this this tangible detail, what I'm gonna do when I go to the basketball court is I'm gonna be the best possible version of myself Yes. when I'm practicing and when I'm on the court, right? So he knew tangibly he could turn that on whenever he stepped on the basketball court. No question. Court, right, and this, this tangible detail in life, it could be a Applied all across the board and when it is you will access the best parts of yourself and bring into light the highest vision of yourself and that's also possible for all humans out there you know we all we all have a alter ego do you does does the grover have an alter ego if so what is it you know what it, it, it's fun the people always one thing about me is everybody always says they, they have one issue with me and that's i'm the same person all the time. (laughs) I I don't need, I don't, you're going to get the same person all the time. You're not, I don't go into a certain situation to be somebody I'm not. Wow. Right. So my, uh, my alter ego is my ego. That's who it is. (laughs) Okay. And everyone had, and here's the thing, you know, everyone talks about, oh, an ego is a bad thing. An ego is not a bad thing. An ego is only a bad thing if you can't back it up and you don't know how to use it correctly. We all have, we all have egos, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sure, and you might be the person that figured out, figure this out sometimes that some, there's some scientific data that's going to come up because I know you study all this stuff in here. That's going to be like, you know, what I believe an ego gives you those supernatural powers. You know, you see people that do extraordinary things when they're under the greatest pressure and they don't have time to think and they don't have time to react. It's just a reflex. That's your ego telling you, I got this. Yep. I I, I got this. Let's just, let's figure this out. It's what, it's what your ego is what pushes you towards that burning car to get, you know, to get a significant thing and other out of there to help your child when they're under, when they're under distress, where you don't think about yourself. You're not thinking, you're not thinking, you're just, you're just, you're just going, you're just going, going, going. You know, that's, that's interesting because 
There's been instances of mothers who have lifted an entire vehicle to save their child. And feats like this, I think they're an example of how raw instincts can allow us to literally do the impossible. And I agree with you. Um, it's, it's believed that the origin of the ego is in the amygdala of the brain. And this part of the brain is responsible for survival. And yeah, I do believe when you learn to use it correctly, that the ego can play as much a positive role as it can a negative role. And it really goes back to mindset. Yeah. And that, that takes thousands and thousands and hours of practice and repetition to get to the point where, you know, you just create that zone. I couldn't agree more. Think about, just think about the, the industry you're in. Okay. It, with all the doctors that perform surgeries and, you know, all, and they're dealing with the smallest microscopic things inside the, inside the body. They've done hours and hours and hours and years of studying, studying, studying and practicing, practicing, practicing. That's their game winning jump shot. Yes. That's their touchdown pass. So when something happens, they don't have time to think. They have to be ready for whatever situations in front of them and the other hundreds that could happen. But you, if you're not if you haven't done the homework way before that, then when it's time not to think, you're going to start thinking and thinking is going to cause you yep. to hesitate and you cannot hesitate. Hey, that's, you know, last time we talked, I had just finished my last board exam of med school and I told you it took probably seven, 8,000 hours to get to that point. But, you know, the repetition had brought me to a space where when I went in there for the exam, I didn't think, I just did. I knew just, mentally what I had kept preparing for. And that's where, you know, you talk about MJ hitting that game winner. That game winner was hit many years ago, you know, because he's already been in that situation. So when you're actually put in the moment to perform, it's just another day for you. It's nothing special, you know? It's, you know what? And, you know, I talk about this in, in the book. People always say, you know, I perform best under the bright lights. Okay. The greatest don't even notice the lights. Exactly. They, it, they, they don't even know. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're worried whether the lights are bright or they're not bright, you're not in the moment. <laughs> you're not in the zone. not in the moment. Amen to that. So, Tim, you you were a D1 basketball player, which for us Browns, that's that's about as good as it gets, man. So I know you, you blew out your knee, and you actually ended up saying that that was the best thing that happened to you from a developmental standpoint. Why? Here's the thing. You know, everyone always talks about this worst thing has happened to me, and it's always the, it's always the best. You know, always say, oh, it's the best thing. For me, it really was because here was – I was spending too much time trying to be this professional basketball player. And honestly, I just was I wasn't good enough. I just I, I thought I was good enough. All right. I, you know, I, OK, I knew I never could play at the NBA level. I was like, OK, maybe I could make some money overseas or so forth. But I really wasn't. I really didn't have. I was I was overachieving already to play college basketball to get to the next level. It just it just wasn't going to happen. So when I injured my knee, it caused me to refocus on other things. Mm -hmm. It caused me to say, okay, listen, I'm not going to be this professional athlete, but what can I do to still be in the realm? So I said, you know what, since I can't be a professional athlete, I want to be able to train professional athletes. So it caused me to refocus on something that I knew I could do, I could do, and I could do it better than anybody else. So it was a, it was a total shift from the physical 
to the mental. Wow. So my my physical my physical gifts were limited, which all of us which all of us have. Okay, but the mind is the mind is not. It's it's limitless. It's relentless. So I was able to shift from something that had limits to something that didn't have li- that didn't have limits that allowed me to grow and get to some place that that very few can get to. That's a beautiful way to react to adversity. And do all elite athletes like MJ, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, is that kind of how they looked at a setback? They were always able to know their mind's limitless and they would apply? Or So is yes. that possible for everyone? It's possible for everyone. Look, I mean, look at them now. You talk about three players that are, are, that are retired, mm-hmm. all right? Does a competitive nature stop in them? Do they stop becoming who they are? No. You know, you got Kobe, you know, he, he went out and uh, I think he won an, he won an Oscar. Now he's he wants to write scripts for scripts for movies. You know, Dwayne's making that transition now in the fashion and entertainment industry. MJ, you know, I, I think almost everybody in this world has owned something that's got the Jumpman logo on it at some point or another. Yeah. And, you know, he's still trying to still figuring out, out the, the ownership on the basketball team to make that a championship the competitive thing never stops and if you look at the business you know you look at amazon you look at jeff bezos it's always trying to get better it's always challenging challenging that energy into something else because you're never satisfied you know i use him as an example because first it was like okay the publishing book industry but then they got into delivering packages we're going to deliver packages in two weeks you know no then we're going to deliver it in a week yeah now that we're going to do it in two days. Now that we're going to do it overnight. Now we're going to do it in an hour. Okay? Right. So it, it, that that's what I'm trying to tell you. These things that you see, these people that do these extraordinary things, it's in all of us. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, let's be honest about this. That's where it stays. Mm-hmm. That's where it stays. How many, how many people, and I always use the individuals that we do, that I speak with and I do the podcast with. How many people started in your class in medical school? 75. How many finished? It was like 12 or 13, man. There you go. Wow, you know, that's that's phenomenal. And you know, there's one thing that you, that all those people have in common, including you, that's the, the growth mindset, our, our mindset and ability to constantly reinvent ourselves and to know that we can grow our personal resources, right? And so neuroplasticity has actually proven that growth from any type of trauma, whether it's blowing out your knee or reinventing your business, can actually give rise to higher cognitive functioning. You know, you're a great example of that. And now scientists, this, this was published in the American Psychological Association, where you know they're proven that people can continue to improve their brain even into their 90s if they believe they can. Well, if you think about it, when something happens an adversity, you have two choices. I always say you got two different Vs. You become the victim. Yeah. Okay. Or you can use it for victory. Which one are you going to go for? Ooh. Which one are you going to Which one are you going to go for? Wow. Okay. So, yeah. and most people, it's easier to become the victim. Because you know why? Because everybody surrounds you and tells you it's okay. Everything is going to be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Okay. If you're hanging around with friends and people and their best solution is don't worry about it. It's going to be fine and everything's going to be okay. You need to surround yourself with much 
better, better people than that. All right, because they don't have any answers for you. Yep. They See don't have that? any answers. Uh, you know, you can literally you you can literally tell Alexa or whoever the thing is that does all the voice. <laughs> Tell me, tell me everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you a human being to tell you that, but it, it's a lot harder to fight to go to win at something to get that victory. It's a lot. It's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more difficult. You're going to piss a lot more people off. You're going to have. You have to become. You have to become angry at and with it yourself, not with others. That is perfectly. It goes into when you say personal. Accountability. Your obligation to yourself has to be greater than your obligations to anybody else. Yes, no question. When you said over, you know, what eighty percent of your class didn't didn't make it, or seventy percent, right? A lot of them, they somebody else's obligation to them was greater than theirs for themselves. They somebody else was pushing them, pushing them, pushing them, and then, and then, and afterwards, you know, you, they just said, "No, nah, I don't want to do it." You have to push yourself harder than anybody else is going to push. You have to be more accountable. You have to set excellent. You have to set higher goals for yourself than anybody else thinks that's possible. If they're realistic goals, you're not pushing yourself hard. You're not pushing yourself hard. They have to be unrealistic. And but your expectations to achieve those unrealistic goals, you know, you can you can get there. Your wife's also a doctor, right? Yes. Yes, she is. There you go. Two doctors in the family. Those odds on that are just they're so they're so small, but it's always impossible till somebody does it first. Amen, man. You know, I was the first doctor in my family. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what you're saying, when you start owning your weaknesses, your flaws, your shortcomings without blaming anyone else, what I realized is from that space there's the principle, never ask of anyone something you don't demand of yourself, right? So if you hold yourself to that standard, I really believe that you could begin raising those around you. You can start raising their level up higher and higher because you'll only ask them of things that you've mastered. And this is where, you know, you get to that cleaner level where you start making people step their game up. That's it. That's you. You will never come down to their level. They have to come up to yours. And that's what I'm saying. You know, from a physical standpoint, not everybody can do what everybody else can do all right but from a mental standpoint why you you could you could you should be you should be able to push yourself just as hard as as the next individual you should be able to push yourself beyond that the same mentality that they have you have it's you know the brain it is limitless it is limited you have there's so much cognitive function out there that nobody ever ever touches or uses i always say this the reason people aren't successful or aren't great is because they're afraid of success. They're afraid yeah. of greatness, okay, because of the things you have to give up to, to get to that level and continue to give up to maintain that level of excellence. Think about everybody that's done something exceptional, all right? I, I would say, listen, people always ask, and they always say, man, what did you do to get there? That's the wrong question. It's what you didn't do. I agree so much, man. It's what you didn't do. You know, you didn't spend the time partying. You didn't spend the time drinking. You didn't spend the time hanging out. You didn't spend the time in front of the TV. All right. It's what you didn't do that got you to work to allow you to do what you want to do. I love that, man. That's so money.
Man, I hope people benefit from that. Uh, next concept I want to hit is about building our mental energy. So one of my favorite quotes from Michael Jordan was, work ethic eliminates fear. I've learned that a huge source of fear and anxiety for my generation is this surge of information we have access to. Sometimes we don't even know where to start and how to stay consistent, right? So what kind of advice does the Grover have when it comes to handling anxiety? Anxiety, I get this all the time. I get people that, that te- I'm the best basketball, I'm the best player in practice, but uh, not in the game, okay? Well, then you're not the best player in practice. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because handling adversity and handling anxiety is part of sport, it's part of the life, all right? So you think your skill set is where it's supposed to be, but it's it's not. It, it's not. I use it. Listen, and I love to give simple examples because sometimes people just forget, you know, about preparation and anxiety and different things. <clears throat> when you were younger, if you you had to go to you went to school and you had an exam or quiz that day. If you prepare for the exam, you prepare for the quiz, you walked into the class, you were confident, you knew the answers, you answered the test, and, and you moved on, all right? What happens if you didn't prepare for that test? You get anxious. Man, I hope it's a snow, you, you live in California, I hope it's a snow day over here, all right? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I hope the teacher doesn't show up. You know, you think about pulling the fire alarm, all those things make you more anxious. Yeah. So what Michael was saying is you you put in the work, you put in the work. If you continue to put it, it's not only about putting in the work, it's about continuing to put in the work. The more work you put in, the right type of work, not just work. You know, you just can't work, you know, you just can't work harder because hard work does not guarantee success. All right. But if you continue to have the work ethic and you continue to put in the right type of work, it's going to alleviate the anxiety because anxiety comes under pressure situations. It comes in when you're more distracted and you're not clear. If you're clear about your goals, you're clear about your focus, you're clear about what the end result is going to be. It eliminates anxiety. We all get nervous. Yep. I'll get nervous. All right. But can you control the anxiety level? Yes, you can control the anxiety level. It's like when something when something happens and you see a bunch of people in a the room, they panic and you have others that are like, OK, let me surveil the situation. Let, let's see what's going on. Here we go. And we go look at firefighters there. Everyone's natural instincts from an anxiety standpoint is to run away from the flames. What do they have to do? They got to go into that. They, they have to go into the flames. So if that and you talk about a high level of high level of anxiety, all right, they would have the highest level, but they don't because this is what they have to do. Huh? I, I believe it, man. You know, you always say stress is pressure you don't deal with. If you don't deal with a pressure situation, then another one comes on. And I really learned from that because now first thing in the morning to alleviate the anxiety that comes with life, I make sure the things I don't want to do are the things that I do first. When I start my mornings that way, dude, like you're able to kind of level out how much anxiety you have throughout the day. And a certain level of anxiety and stress is good for us, right? Yes. The last time the last time we spoke, we talked about 
a baby. And, and when a mother gives birth to a baby, the baby goes through stress, has to come out crying. The mother's through stress and the stress hormone cortisol is surging through the mother. Well, it turns out the stress hormone cortisol actually allows the stem cells of the baby's lungs to develop. So the baby couldn't breathe if it wasn't for stress, right? right. And, and with, with that, we have to learn to use this stress to our advantage. Stress and practice, listen, stress and pressure. Pressure is a privilege. We talk about this. Ooh. You name one thing in life, okay, that that hasn't been made by pressure. The building you live in, the wedding ring, the diamonds, the, every, the car that you drive, the roads, everything is made by pressure. So if it's made by pressure, why are you running from it? Why are you so far running from it? You have to embrace the pressure. You have to embrace that pressure situations that come your way. They are going to be filled with stress, but if you deal with them on a daily basis, they don't overwhelm you. And most people, they just try to push it off to the next thing, push it off to the next thing and continue to push it off where they get to the point where it's just, it's too overwhelming them. You know, it's like, listen, if you've ever roommated or lived with somebody who's a messy person, all right, there's one article of clothing on the ground. They don't pick it up. Next day, there's two. The next day, there's three. The next day, then it gets to the point where it's, it's just too much. It's the same thing with your life. Instead of continuing to add those layers of clothing, right, pick it up, deal with it, deal with it so the pile stays under control. It's money, man. You know, next thing I want to talk about, how to deal with anger. So this this actually goes into your book. One of the coolest things that you the, you mentioned in this book, and this is my favorite portion, it had to do with anger. You were talking about a night in Vancouver during the Bulls' 72-win season. Uh, by the fourth quarter, MJ only had 10 points, and the Grizzlies' Derek Martin, he started talking shit to MJ, right? And From the bench. From the bench. He wasn't even the in the bench. game. He, was, he wasn't even in the game. That was all right. <laughs> oh, my God. So the result... You know, MJ goes on a scoring tear. He scores 19 points in the fourth, and they end up winning the game. And you said he never cracked. He never showed emotion. If he ever did, it was a positive expression, always rising up the team and the fans. And this is where you began discussing anger. The difference between emotion and energy is the most important thing. Because if you channel that anger towards emotion, Jordan gets tossed out of the game, you get violent, you stumble permanently out of the zone. If you channel that towards energy, something completely different happens. The things that people just say, man, you need to stay away from pressure, stress, yep. stay away from that. It's not good for you. Think about those words, every successful individual, and this isn't about money. All right, they've learned how to deal and control all of those different things. They've learned how to master the anger. They've learned how to take anger and use it as controlled rage to get them that end result. Those things keep you going when nothing else will. Those individuals that look at those things and say, this is a negative, This, these are all negative. Those people that always tell you those things are not good for you, they're looking for someone else to light your fire. They're looking yeah. for someone else to, to constantly motivate you. They're the, the ones that are constantly, they're the ones that are constantly looking on, on social media for different slogans, for different things and so forth. Instead of having that internal fire, if you have those things, if you have know how to deal with anger and how to control it, if you have controlled rage, you're, you're obsessed, 
You know how to deal with stress. You understand pressure. You understand what to do with your ego. Those things keep your own fire lit. And that's what this is This is about. It's about, like you said earlier, it's about you being able to push your own buttons and not allowing someone else to push those buttons for you. That's the feel, man. You know, anytime I'm, I'm not feeling it, I make sure. I think about a time where someone doubted me and that's going to fuel me for the next you know, hour just to make sure I get it done. And you know what? It's funny that you said that because you know what? I always tell one of the greatest, and I don't like to use the word motivation because I'm not, but for this one, I will. One of the greatest motivators is revenge. Oh yeah. If you do it correctly, you know, you're not looking to harm anybody, but take what somebody else said to you, just what you said, Hey, you can't do this. Watch me. And then now, now you did it and you go back to that individual. Now, how do you feel and how do they feel? Exactly. That, your fire already has to be lit. Yep. All they did was all they did was allow you to turn the flame up even hotter. Yep. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So Tim, we actually have something in common. We both dismantled cadavers at some point in our lives. You, <laughs> you disassembled a corpse with a bone saw, and during my medical school training, I became mathematically skilled at using a scalpel. There was a difference though, man. Uh, you were cutting open dead bodies at four years old while yes. I was in medical school, right? So can you tell us a little bit about why the hell you were cutting open bodies at four and how that shaped you into the man that you've become today? Well, you know, it goes back. My dad was a PhD. He was a doctor to be able to, to teach uh, physiology and anatomy and so forth. But when he came over here from India, they said the coursework that would not transfer over, that they could, they could not license him to be able to teach here. We don't have a professor's uh, job for you here, but this is the job that's available. Mm-hmm. There was a lab coordinator back then that was called. I was called. So for the medical and dental schools, my dad was in charge of, you know, setting up all the labs, making all the cadavers, making everything was set up, place all the right tools and so forth. Now, I don't know how the industry is, uh, how it's changed now. Uh, but back then, you know, obviously you have the embalming fluid, you have formaldehyde and all. The bodies weigh close to five, six hundred pounds. Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So people don't expect don't when they look at this. If you've ever if you've ever been around an anatomy class and you see this woman or you see this man that the, the people are working on, they're not a hundred pounds. There's there's a lot of weight that's inside that you just don't see. So back in the early seventies and eighties. After the coursework was over with, you had to get rid of the body because the next one was coming in. You just can't pick up that kind of weight and get rid of it. So there's an actual furnace back in there. You would literally have to dismantle body part by body part and throw it into and throw it into the furnace. Both my parents were working. Yeah. They can afford babysitters. All right. Okay. Yeah. So when you didn't have a when you had a day off of school. Guess what? You're going to work because my mom was a night nurse and my dad worked during the day. You are going to work with your father. My father would go to work. And if it happened to be during that time, dismantling time, and it was between uh, semesters or quarters, you you had to work. You, you're not standing around. You're not. My dad's not telling you to sit down in the corner. My dad, you, you learn you learn to work. You learn to see what other individuals have to do to make to make ends meet, to provide for their family. 
you know, and there, there's no, <laughs> back then there's no HR, there's no regulations, yeah. you know, there, you, there's <laughs> a lot of the compliance that you have to do with now. So, and it's just, you know, it's just like, okay, it's a way our dad's helping us. We're helping him to help him get through this thing. And you just, you did, you did what was asked and there was a lesson in this, you know, you do what's necessary to get that end result. And it taught me, hey, listen, no matter what's thrown at you, you have to figure it out. It's, it's never, there's never a perfect situation. The only time you ever see people get a perfect situation, all right, is if they end up winning the lottery. Right. That usually ends up being a perfect situation. And then what happens to that perfect situation in less than a year? Uh, it's gone. <laughs> The lives, the lives are just because there was no adversity involved. There was yep. no, there was no pressure involved. There was no skills. There was no skill involved in obtaining that. So if there isn't, there's no value put on that. When you talk about when something happens to an individual, you know, we talk about do they become the victim or do they fight to get to the victory? But in order to get to the victory, there's a big V in the middle and it's called value. What do you value? You know, what do you value that's going to allow you to get you to that victory part? That's what, you know, speaking with you, it motivates me so much because, you know, we come from a similar background. You know, my father, he did anything and everything to make sure that food was on the table. You know, he, he wasn't even educated. He didn't know English. So, you know, he kind of had to start from the bottom. And that's that's one of my biggest driving forces is knowing that. You know, he put me through med school even when he didn't have the means to, you know, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that now. And, you know, when I hear the name Tim Preet Singh and I hear trained Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, I, I think to myself, you know, what can Nav Preet Singh do when he puts his mind and soul to something, you know? So just want to acknowledge you for that. You have no idea how much you motivate the younger generations, man. And I, I do really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It only helps if you share your experiences with others. And nowadays, people that share their experiences that haven't done anything. Oh, you know, that really, that really ha that have really haven't. There's a difference between adversity and there's a, and true adversity. Yeah. You know, it, it's just some of the stories out there. It, it's it, people follow what's popular, okay, instead of what can actually help you progress and get forward. Popularity, just because it's popular, doesn't mean it's the best. Amen. Yeah. We're actually going to get to the last part of our podcast. This is the most popular portion of the podcast. We had hundreds of people submit questions for you, but our team picked out the best ones. Question number one comes from Illist Fades. He asks, I'm a 22-year-old and my brother is 12. He's an above-average basketball player what would you say is the best way to stay focused and not get distracted? And do you have any advice for the younger generation? He has to get a routine. So what happens is as you get older, you, even as your teenager, there's so many distractions. Your routine has, especially in the morning, that's where most of the times where routines become, the, people negotiate their morning routines. I don't want to get up this morning. I don't want to do this. I, I, you know, I'll sleep a little extra. There's always something that's negotiated in a morning routine. Your morning routine has to be non-negotiable. This is what it is. Here it is. This is what I'm going to do. So the, if he's if he's above average at 12, he better be more above average at 13, more above average at 14. If it's if he's slipping, it's not because of his basketball stuff. 
that he's lost he's lost his focus and the energy is going into into a different direction oh that's with everybody that that's trying to do something all right when you lose your focus when you lose your clarity all right and you lose your purpose that's when things go awry wow that's a beautiful answer i couldn't agree more i started waking up at 4 a.m uh, sometime last year and i do it consistently and i realized you know having that time in the morning non-negotiable you got to get it done you know? and you know what when you continue to wake up at four o'clock, the one time that you can't wake up at four, you go by, your body will tell you. Your yeah, body will say, you, don't have, you don't have to say, I'm going to sleep in. Your body's going to make you sleep in. That's, that's <laughs> it, man. I agree. So question number two comes from Ricky Stevens. How do you recommend tackling mental fatigue, Olympic athlete or parent? We all experience it. Everyone, yes, listen, we all are going to get mentally fatigued. But what happens is, you know, I talked about this earlier. What's causing the mental fatigue? Okay, you know what it is. Usually what's causing your mental fatigue is somebody outside that you let in your circle. Yeah. They're, they're, pull, they're, pull, they're, they're pulling you away. You know, like, oh, you don't need, you know what? You don't need to study. Let's go hang out. You know, let's go do this. Let's go do that. So now what happens is you, instead of being focused on what you want, you're focused on, on what they want. And that starts to, they're pulling that energy out. They're pulling that energy out of your mind. The easiest way to keep your mental energy high is to learn one single word that has two letters in it. No. Yep. No. That's it. When you say yes to everything, everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to miss out on something. You know, you're going to, yeah, you are going to miss out on something. You're going to miss out on what you want because when you continue to say yes to everything, you're fueling what other people want. So to keep your mental energy high, and you, we all have the process where it becomes overwhelming at times, but you know what? It has to become overwhelming for a small moment, and then you have to get back into it. Just learn to say learn to say no to a lot of things and start talking to yourself. The yeah. greatest individuals, not only do they talk to themselves, they answer themselves. I love that. Wow. So question number three by Bab Neat. What was the difference between Kobe and Mike, and when did you find Kobe? Well, uh, the, 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 the biggest difference between the two is – Michael just wanted to get things done. Like he would just say, hey, I, I hired you. You tell me what to do and, and, and get and get and get the end result. Kobe wanted to know every single detail. He wanted to know why we did this exercise, why he was eating this, what was going on. And, you know, he, he wanted to know everything that was happening. Why? Why is this movement this way? Why do you have me running around the track in this direction and not in this direction? He yeah. wanted to know every single detail out there and i actually got to kobe through mj in 2007 i think it was wow uh, yeah he had, uh kobe was uh thinking about retiring because his knees were hurting him so much and he reached out to michael and michael said hey listen uh, i'm not using my guy anymore why don't you give him a call being able to do an exceptional work with one individual and having him recommend to another individual, you know, that that's that's one of the greatest recommendations you can possibly get. Ooh, that's amazing. You know, I grew up watching more Kobe than Mike because I was born in 90. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Kobe fan and it's so crazy. I was actually watching Charles Barkley uh, on TNT and he mentioned you, bro. Like he, he was like, you know, back back in the day, I started training with Grover and he taught me how to swim. 
And you know, he was saying how you were just doing revolutionary things. And I was like, I know Grover, that's crazy. <laughs> I, you know, and it's funny, if you haven't read the book, Relentless, people always ask me, he goes, well, who was the most explosive athlete you ever worked with? And I, I tell them Charles Barkley and everybody looks wow. at me. Because when you look at him, you're like, no way. Well, that that man could do things that were just that were just just jaw dropping. One of my favorite one of my favorite clients to work with. One of the nicest human beings you will ever meet. It's funny. He's he's always grateful and he brings stuff up because I was doing water training back in the early in the late eighties, and you know now it's become you know well just you think about it, it makes sense. What happened if you in a hospital? You know, when you go through a surgery, when you go through something, what, what's the first thing the doctor tells you? We got to get the patient moving. Oh, yeah. We gotta get, yeah, we got to get the we got to get the patient moving as much as it hurts. We got to get the patient moving. So what what do what do what do people in sports back in those days used to do when they get hurt? Put a cast on it. Wait eight weeks, eight to ten weeks. No, I'm like, oh. we got to get. Okay, the fastest way to heal is we have to get you. We have to get you moving. <laughs> Well, if you're hurt, you can't you can't put the same amount of body weight. Oh, guess what? Water. 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 Yeah. That's brilliant. You know how simple that is, but you know, it's simple it's but so effective. Wow, that's amazing. So, next question by Malika QB. She asks, "What is your diet like?" My diet, listen, I enjoy everything. You know, I I enjoy everything. I, I'm not a person that deprives myself of anything. I'm not a big I'm not a big drinker. All right. But will I have a beer occasionally? Yes. Will I drink a glass of wine? Yes. You know, if it's a special occasion and somebody says, hey, let's do a shot of tequila, no problem. But I, I don't do that on a regular basis. The things that I try to tell, tell people about a diet, there's two things you should try to really pay attention to. And it's, again, this goes back to the things about everyone's worried about what 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 they're eating. And I tell them what not to eat. Watch White flour and sugar. If you can control your intake of those two things, not only will you perform better from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, you will have so much more clarity about yourself because it eliminates the ups and downs. It eliminates, ah. the, it eliminates the highs. Imagine if you could just keep yourself keel like this and then you decide when to go up and up and down. So, Tim, our last question is a question we've asked every single one of our guests who've been on this podcast, and that is, what is your definition of medspiration? Medspiration is combining actual studies and research that you can see, listen to, and understand and put it to practical use to motivate you, to push you forward, to say, hey, listen, when you do these things, this is what happens in the body. You put science behind what is actually happening. You're putting science behind pressure. You're putting science behind stress. You're putting science behind the highs and the lows. You're putting science behind why some individuals push themselves and others can't. Why some individuals take motivation and put action behind it. You're actually showing it. This is what actually happens when you do these things. And this is actually what happens when you don't do these things. So instead of it just being out there and words, you're actually putting knowledge and science and research behind it. When people say to me, prove it, well, that's where menspiration is. It's proof. <laughs> I love that, man. 
hey, well, the proof is in this book, Relentless. So for anybody who hasn't read it out there, I'd really recommend that. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate you coming back on and re-recording with me. Uh, it means so much to me. You know, I, I look up to you. You're one of my greatest heroes, and you show me what's possible, you know? And thank you very much. And, you know, hey, people out there, you, you're a big follower of ours. You know how to get us on Instagram, at Attack Athletics, Facebook, whatever it is. We love your posts. I see that. I see you there all the time. And I told you, I kept my word to you. I said, I said it's going to take some time, but yeah. I, I promise you, we will. We will get. I wanted to do it before you got married, but we got <laughs> so th- this this is a gift. <laughs> I love it, man. Thank you, Tim. There you have it, folks. I hope you guys left this one feeling inspired. If you learned something new, or if you genuinely enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate it five stars. Medspiration is a 501c3 nonprofit charity organization. The more you help us grow, the more people we're able to help. For example, our newest sponsorship with Pygmonic is currently helping us fund our ongoing work at a small children's school in Cambodia. If you're currently a future healthcare professional and are studying tons, don't forget to check out Pygmonic's learning tools for free. You can use the discount code MEDSPIRATION for 20% off any membership. Please visit Picmonic.com for more. We'll be sure to leave a link in the description below. Let's make a commitment together, guys, and attempt to live a healthier lifestyle, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and do something med-spiring.